Hello, listening people. Hello. Hello, Bartek. How are you going? Yeah, I'm doing really, really well. Quite well. Of course, Ryan, you'd call it 82% well. <laughs> <laughs> He's only at 82%. Yeah, how are you, Ryan? Well, I'm good. I had a week off because we had to mourn the loss of a certain important person in our lives, yeah, we in found, everybody's lives. We found out five days in advance, so we <laughs> took the week off. <laughs> Where were we when she went? We won't say. We won't say. We can't say. We I was, can't say. I was putting on pants when I found out. <laughs> were you? I was in bed and I found out when I turned my phone on and my phone had like a little notification saying the news. Mm. When, um, of course, we're talking about the tragic loss of Queen Elizabeth the second R.I.P. the Queen, a person who did uh, help uh, Australian political coup in the 1970s uh, achieve its goals. So thank you to Her Highness for being a piece of shit. Uh, so good, good job on Doom 2. Good job on Doom 2. And your son did a great job on the film we're going to be talking about today in our show, Pictures Power. I give it, well, I give it a lot of points, but Ryan would give it 82, of course. Uh, 82 <laughs> points, 82. Flip those numbers around. 28 is no longer the age I am because I've also had a birthday since uh, we've discussed a movie. Yeah. That was a whole thing. So I'm now a year older and a year wiser. And I'm now a year further into the podcasting experience. And and we're here to talk about a movie that I recommended. Ooh, so mm. exciting. I recommended a film that was recommended to me many a years ago by my good friend Zaki. He said he watched this Turkish sci-fi movie on SBS. And I was intrigued. And he said to me, he said, Ryan... It's on Australian Netflix. That's how he even said it. He looked me in the eyes and said, it's on Australian Netflix, which I thought was weird because he's a fellow Australian. I don't know why he had to specify it was on that Netflix, but hey, listening people, in case you need to find this film, there it is. It's right there for you to watch. Did you remember it was on there, Bartek? Uh, yes, you told me about it and I remembered. He remembered. Yeah. Bartek often doesn't remember things I say to specifically remember. So there is that. Well, don't forget, I also had to put it in the title of the, mm. the social media post. So I had to look it up. Mm, so we are talking about the 2004 mm -hmm. film. Yep. What was it called? Do we know? How was it pronounced in the film? Gora? Uh, Gora? I have a trivia fact about how it's supposed to stand for something, but it actually doesn't. Um, but I can't remember how they said it in yeah, the Yeah, I don't mean... I'm going to guess Gora. Gora. Give it like a European sound, not Gora or something. Yeah. Let's go Gora, Gora, now Gora. And this is a Turkish science fiction comedy film, so we recommend that you give this a watch because it is definitely unique, something you, you may not have seen before, but there are certain elements. This does parody a lot of things, but they're even outside of the parody stuff. There are certain little elements that you may have seen in other comedies, but the way that these guys go about it is very unique and specific. So mm. give it a watch, come back, because we're going to talk spoilers on this. Now, Bartek, you and I, I think we can agree, don't have any experience with this movie. We don't have a history with it outside of it is a thing that we now had to watch. Mm -hmm. And it's how you spell the Polish word for mountain. Yeah, yeah. Which did that play in? Uh, play into the film. The film? Uh, not really. There was a forest. There you go. There was a forest. There's, but, yeah. Uh, we didn't have much of an experience walking in. You knew it was a Turkish film and it was a sci-fi film. Yeah, I didn't I, even say comedy <laughs> last week. I just said it's Turkish sci-fi. Like, I remember I made the joke like, oh, Turkish Star Wars. And you're like, oh, maybe, kind of. And this was a sci-fi parody film that parodied some very specific things very obviously. So <laughs> Turkish Star Wars honestly wasn't the most inaccurate thing I said. No, no. I think I could speak for you when I say that it was probably 82% accurate. It was 82% accurate. You know what this made me think of? Because again, I didn't know what I was getting into. I knew it was probably going to be wacky mm -hmm. just because of the pictures I had seen. Mm -hmm. And for some reason, I assumed a Turkish science fiction film would be silly in nature. I didn't expect it to be that serious, but 
what I did get away from this initial from this initial watch was this really reminded me of Fat Pizza. You said it before I did. <laughs> it wasn't me this time. It was Ryan. <laughs> did you think the same? Dude, the entire time, <laughs> the entire film, <laughs> I was, I was. Practicing to can myself explain, how can we explain what fat pizza is for those non-Australians? <laughs> because we, I think we just always not mention what it is. Yeah, I, yeah. Just, I'll just say this though: I was practicing in my head how I was going to start talking about fat pizza this episode because I feel like this year I keep bringing it up. You love it. You love it. <laughs> okay, so uh, you you mentioned SBS before. That's a mm. good good segue. Um, SBS is our special broadcasting service channel, which typically has a lot of, um, you know, foreign stuff on it. Mm. Um, but it also had some Australian produced things on it. And one of them was a show called Pizza. Uh, the, eventually got a movie called Fat Pizza, but mm. it's actually just called Pizza. I always call it Fat Pizza because that's the Every, name of the everyone, pizza. Everyone does. It's everyone more distinct. Does. It's yeah. more distinct. I don't know why they never just called it Fat Pizza. Did they never change it over outside of the film? No, it was just the film was Fat Pizza, but the rest of the show was just pizza. I, I think the like the sequel shows in recent years, like Fat Pizza Reloaded or whatever it was called, yeah, was there Fat you go. Pizza. There you go. Um, it's a, it was an Australian satirical uh, comedy show by a man named Paul Fennick. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a Maltese background person. Mm-hmm. Um, it has a lot of, you know, very Australian ethnic kind of humour. Yeah. Um, which a, a lot of the events follow essentially an everyman character who's also just still a little bit weird. Mm-hmm. Uh, very uh, hyperactive uh, in terms of how he responds to things. Very aggressive, you mean. And, and but always, so, I don't know how to describe it, but he Is always it- seems to be the... The moral center of the story. He's, he's the anchor of the show. So, Fat yeah. Pizza, Pizza or Fat Pizza is about the misadventures of a pizza shop and the pizza boys that deliver those pizzas. Yeah, the and main sometimes, Paulie Falzoni. Yes, and initially you get the point of view character of Sleek the Elite, who is the wannabe rap star, and he doesn't believe that being a pizza delivery guy is hard. But that show operates on a very specific cartoonish logic where it can take things that you understand and say Australian culture and ramps it up with some really incredibly over-the-top visuals and characters as well as language and a part of the humor is that uh, ethnic diversity of voices because you know as you said Paul Fennick is he has Maltese background but then they get into leb culture a lot as certain mm-hmm. characters come in they get into uh, uh, islander and Maori culture as well and so and it goes on and on like that these Different uh, cultures that make up Sydney. Uh, it was, yeah, it's probably takes place. Yeah, in yeah, yeah. That make up that city, especially when this was made, start being a thing that's in the show and the type of humor that comes from their cultures. So when watching uh, Gora, you had a lot of that. Where the pitch of this is, what if? a Turkish sci-fi film existed. What I read on the IMDb, I don't know if you read too much, is the guy who made this is a stand-up comedian. He was joking around about a Turkish sci-fi film and all the things that you see as a Turkish person, what would that be like in Star Wars or in The Matrix? And you see that... Or how would would a typical, like, Turkish caricature character respond to these kind of things. Uh-huh, and that is very much how Fat Pizza works, where it's yeah. like, what if we had all of these people and they responded to A, B, C, D, E, F, G, they have a, a mega empire comedy series out of it. This is a mega empire comedy trilogy of films for Gora, where you can definitely see the germ of what this is blossom as you enter into the film, because initially you go, okay... I'm getting the vibe, as you do, when you enter a film that you don't know anything about, you sit down and you go, okay, let me just ingratiate myself to the film as it does for, as it does it to me as well. And I liked this, if I have to tell you what I think of it overall. I liked it. I got bored of it at many points. I laughed at it only a few times. I wanted... There were certain moments of laughter where, where I said to myself, if there was more of this... This would be more my jam. There was lots of jokes that didn't work for me, not even from a cultural like disconnect because of language or whatever, but just some stuff I'm just like, okay, here we go. And it's too long. This is a movie that needs to be 85 minutes long, not 
just over two hours long. <laughs> and that is where I land with it. I admire it more than I like it. How did you fare with this? Um, Kind of similar. I, I didn't get bored with it, but I definitely kind of got into an autopilot mode at some point. Um, it, it didn't feel, uh, I was, I walked into it saying, oh, it's just a bit over two hours. So this is going to be a bit of a long one. It kind of breezed by for me. Mm. Um, when we were, I think at one point I paused and I was at like the 53 minute mark. I'm like, oh really? Geez. I feels mm. like not much has happened. Like they were still in prison at that point. Um, <clears throat> it, Obviously, the comparison in my head to Fat Pizza was something that I was really amused by, and then when I was reading the trivia afterwards about how this is based on like a stand-up routine mm-hmm. uh, that this guy did, um, uh, but expanded into a film, made it a lot more interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, this, and also similar to what you were saying, like it's something that I very much admire, the fact that it exists. And I did have a good time with it, but... Also, it did feel like there were some things that it could have done a bit more of to, you know, make it yeah. really into that, like, oh, this was really my jam. This is something that I want to show to people. What was something that made you laugh? What was something that amused you in this? Um, You mentioned before the thing about being baffled by, well, or, or like certain cultural things that like mm. just didn't read. Um, it, it didn't so much make me laugh as just make me, you know, kind of be amused at myself of like, oh, I have no idea what this is about. Like there were three moments in the film where characters would say something and then stare at the camera and like wink or something. (laughs) And it was like, oh, I wonder if something was lost in translation here. I remember those moments. I do too, Um, yeah. I'm trying to remember the context. I understood one of them. One I, of I, them was... I, can, I remember them all. Well, okay, the third, one, third one I'm a bit confused by. The first one was the right-hand man of the villain asking him, so, sir, why is it that you hate humans so much? He looks at the camera and just like, there's a quick Okay, wink. that one I, well, I understood. It was basically, to me, now this could be wrong, it was almost him looking at the camera because it's very meta and fourth wall breaking, and they talk about the script even at points and the movie making. This is... What comes across to me as the right-hand man winking at the audience, being like, yeah, yeah, we're we're going backstory. to explain the backstory I was now. thinking something like and, that, yeah. And that's what I got out of it. I can't mm-hmm. remember the other two. The, the next one that I remember was when the hero, Arif, meets the, the blue guy, and mm-hmm. like they're having the, the conversation. It's like, oh, here's the card, escape with the princess. And they, the Arif, the main character, um invokes one of the running jokes of something being wrong with his face. It's Mm -hmm. like, what is wrong with my face? Like, nothing, man. That's what I'm asking you. And then he walks away, you know, making his, like, you know, Paulie-esque comment to himself. Mm -hmm. And then the guy, I think he directed at a guard somewhere nearby, telling him something along the lines of, like, make sure you don't feed this one. And then he looks at the camera and quickly winks. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Like, that one happened so quickly that I'm like, did he just wink at me? Okay, I'll (laughs) tell you a moment that made me laugh a lot. I I lost it. This was my big laugh out loud moment of the film. I have to remember what mine was, but go on. Which was, they're at the marketplace or something. There's many scenes at the marketplace. There's actually two jokes at the marketplace that get me laughing a lot. This is one of them. This is the bigger one, though, which is... They're trying to pay for something, and he gives them, like, whatever the money, the alien money is, see, Bartek's dying. Whatever the alien money is, and they're like, ah, this isn't good enough. Then he gives him Turkish money, and the guy's like, oh, yeah, Turkish money works. That works. He tried giving him American dollars, (laughs) and it's like, what, am I going to buy candy with this? (laughs) And then he gives him Turkish money, and he's like, that's great, that works. That was a real laugh out loud, because the way everybody played it, and the physicality of it, the absurdity of this little Turkish man grabbing out the money from his pocket, and his wallet was talking in this alien environment in space, and it's just so ludicrous and then the other was again they're on the run they're in the marketplace they're trying to stay low they're trying to get this and there's this guy yelling and he tells him to be quiet blah, blah, blah. like the market guy's screaming out his prices he's got and then they need to buy this thing off of him but then he gets a phone call our main character gets a phone call because he gets good reception pretty much anywhere because mm-hmm. that's set up early and that was a fun little mo- gag and just him taking a moment aside to have a business deal about some carpets. <laughs> yes, yes, I remember that. 
was like right as he got to the marketplace, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, oh, hold on for a second. And then he's like arguing on the phone. Are they about, tourists? Like, pri- yeah, yeah, yeah tourists. give him 5,000. 5,000 for that. No, 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 don't, <laughs> don't, 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 don't scroll down that. And then he goes back to yeah. the plot. Or like, <laughs> like the plot's an inconvenience yeah, for him yeah. and his business that he's trying to run. Yeah, and that, I love that. That's something to, yeah, re-emphasize, especially about the first thing you mentioned, the Turkish lira thing. Um, when we have these sci-fi, you know, Western sci-fi things, it's like, oh, the culture in space feels very, you know, uh, white-centric. Uh, mm. You know, like, oh, every, the, a lot of the main characters on Babylon 5 are, like, white people. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, speak, they speak English. They American have, English. Yeah, and and they have American, American values. So the, just seeing, like, very specific, like, much smaller country, Turkish-centric space. Mm. You know, there's a lot of funny jokes going on that. Um, I just remembered one of my big laughs was... Um, <clears throat> It was actually a payoff to an earlier joke. So when they finally meet the Obi-Wan guy, mm-hmm. um, I think there's some confusion about whether, like, oh, is he actually the guy or not? Mm. And they'll like, oh, okay, we have to go and find out for real. And he goes, the main character goes up to him and, like, pokes him and goes, ah, fuck! Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that like, really it's got him, me. it's him. Yeah. I really like the throwaway line from uh, our Bob Marley character. Bob Marley Farouk, was it? Yeah, Farouk. Uh, where he offhandedly says, and I don't even think he's blind. <laughs> <laughs> he just got really, he got really annoyed with that. And I, I appreciate that because I also got annoyed with that section of the movie. I found that tiresome. The whole trained by the master, let's install the Matrix fight moves into our main character's brain and go through the different outfits. That, that was boring to me. I didn't really care for that, but I liked the the Bob Marley Farouk character in that sequence because he was also annoyed that we were doing this plot. Um, yeah, okay. So the film is about a man, a human man, whose job is they sell carpets and rugs, but they also like to forge alien stuff to yeah, sell. Like UFO sightings. UFO sightings to sell. And they always fail because they make obvious, like, oh, this has a, this is a plate. You can still see the writing on it. And Specifically photos of UFOs. Photos sightings. of UFOs and tails and stuff. And the wraparound to this is after all these hectic adventures he's just got on, he finally got to have a camera that survived to take a photo and he brings it back and the guy still doesn't believe him. And then when he starts to tell the compelling story about his adventures and it's, you can see it starts to sway the guy, he then says the name of the aliens, which is a type of food. Is that correct? I think that's like a type of food or a type of thing that you have on a side because then the guy hears the story and goes, oh, really? Okay, and then he like orders things and it's like the name of the aliens is also the name of this thing he's ordering from downstairs and it just deflates the entire thing for our main character and he's like ah fuck it I tried um and that's the plot where in the interim he's abducted by aliens it's a classic there's a bad guy he has to overthrow the bad guy and save the girl get with the girl and he meets some wacky characters along the way. Your 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 C three PO robot guy, kind of your 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 uh, kitchen guy, the guy the cook who works in the kitchen, who's content with being a prisoner. But by the end, he's gonna rise up against. And you have the Obi Wan Kenobi master, and oh, the, the girl, the girl, and the right hand man of the villain, and. The, the the old emperor who's good deep down, but he's not being good right now because the bad guy's got some info on him, and that's the that's the gist of it. It it doesn't try to deviate or break from the traditional standards of blockbuster science fiction because that's what it's playing with. What it is doing though is adding that Turkish flair to it and a, a very unique sense of comedy as well, and so. And your protagonist, the chosen one, is just some greedy, narcissistic rug salesman. That's it. That's yeah, who your hero with is. With a bit of a smart mouth. <laughs> with a bit of a... He's aggressive. Mm-hmm. Uh, aggressive. Aggressive. <laughs> aggressive. I like how they're slightly out of sync as yeah. well. That was a nice little detail. Like, And there's some fun sci-fi elements. Uh, I'll tell you one sci-fi element I really liked. It was so absurd. I wish there was more of this. The bad guys walk past this device where he puts an like a fruit in it, an orange, and it goes in it, and then it spews out a can of drink, like an orange-flavored drink. Mm-hmm. 
indicating like he just put that orange in and then it made this can of drink for him. And I thought that was absurdly brilliant and I loved it very much. <laughs> maybe, or, that was, maybe that was the equivalent of putting a coin in a vending machine. You pay for it with an orange. Oh, maybe. Or it's just taking the materials of the orange <laughs> and making into this canned drink. And I love that. I love that a lot. Um, so tell us about your journey with, with Gora overall. So you walked in... You didn't know too much. You got some fat well, be, pizza vibes. Before I started that, I was turning on Netflix. My brother's like, oh, what are you watching? I'm, I was like, oh, something called like uh, G-O-R-A. Because mm-hmm. I didn't know. I thought, I remember that it was like an abbreviation. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, do I say, is it an initialism? Mm-hmm. Is it an acronym? Do I say it? Do I spell it? And then when the film ended, I was like, oh, well, there wasn't an acronym. It was just, and, just yeah. the title. Yeah. <laughs> um. So I... I literally walked in not knowing anything. I just knew that it was a Turkish sci-fi film. So when the first lines of dialogue happened and I got no subtitles, I'm like, why aren't I getting subtitles? And it's in English. Wait, are they speaking English? Are they swearing? (laughs) Fuck, fuck, fuck. (laughs) Yeah. I was so confused by that. (laughs) Me too, me too. I was like, oh shit, I didn't think to mention dobs or subs. I just assumed there would be no dobs. I saw that there was only one language track and, Mm -hmm. and when I didn't get subtitles for that, I was thinking to myself, you know, like already judging the film, like, man, it's so inconsiderate of them. What if there are people watching this who, you know, <laughs> like have hearing problems and they need the subtitles? Now they're going to watch this whole, you mm. know, multilingual film and not be able to hear anything. But then, oh, no, no, it was just a gag. A you gag. were not, the, the audience that we, this film was intended for were not meant to understand what was being said. It made you think about how they, as people who consume media have to watch films where the characters don't speak in their native tongue for the good first portion of the film. And we've seen that with Bollywood films. There are some Bollywood films we've covered where they are speaking English in parts, especially early on. Mm. And you get that comment where you can tell it's a frustration. Like, can't we just speak in Turkish from the beginning? Must we <laughs> it reminded me of straight um, away? Of to be or not to be. Oh, really? Well, because that, that film had the whole thing of, like, they're speaking in Polish, then it announces, like, for the sake of clarity, the rest of the film mm. will be in English. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fair, that's fair. Um, uh, yeah, I didn't know too much either. I really loved our main guy from The Drop. I loved what he looks like. I love that performance when he is talking about... When we're unfurling what he is. Because you get it. He's like, oh, it's a UFO scam guy. Okay, but then he's got this other job where he's showing off what looks like these ancient artifacts to the translator and her uh, Japanese translator and her uh, um, tourists and whatnot and he's like no no don't no photos these are freshly painted so he's got all of these scams on the go and then this scam is to then take them into his his carpet store his carpet and rug store so that they could buy, buy the actual goods that he's peddling and I was like oh I love this Oh, I love this. And he's the kind of character where he's got like 15 things happening all at once. Like he just walks down the place and a guy's like, hey, you. And he's like, okay, yeah, yeah I'm going to deal with this. He's also on the phone and he's he's yelling at an employee and he's got a friend here and he's got a friend there and an acquaintance here. And I was like, oh, yeah, I am loving this. Loving yeah, this. Yeah. And then he <clears> has a joke where it's like, there's an English person waiting for you. He's like, oh, oh, yeah, who is it, Prince Charles? And then he walks in, and it's Prince Charles. <laughs> a guy who I looked up his career. I did too. And he plays nothing but Prince Charles. I think there was one thing that wasn't Prince Charles, and then one thing that was like Prince Charles, but in Spanish. Oh! Or something. It was oh. like something, Carlos, something. I oh, that's know. awesome. <laughs> that's that's amazing. He started with uh, National Lampoon's European Vacation. Mm. And uh, I've seen that film, so I can attest that he is in that as Prince Charles. Yes, so this is a good double feature with Doom 2, which starts with not the queen. (laughs) Oh, man, that actor must be getting fucking work now. He gets to play King Charles. King Charles, yes. King Charles III. Yeah, Ryan and I were saying before this started, like, man, if I wasn't sick last week, he would still be Prince Charles while we're recording. Now he's King Charles. (laughs) You know, one of my favorite jokes doesn't work anymore, which is in the TV show The Critic, Prince Charles is getting kicked out of a nightclub. The guards throw him out, the bouncers throw him out, and he's in his full garb. Uh, and he says, like, I'll have your heads for this. And and the and the guard the bouncer just says, oh, yeah, who died and made you king of England? And then he starts whimpering and a tear rolls down his face. He goes, 
Nobody. That <laughs> <laughs> joke doesn't work anymore, but boy, did it work for like 30 years when that episode came out onwards. So there you go. But um, yeah, yeah, the, the, the Prince Charles segment, I loved that. I was like, okay, well, okay, hmm. where are we going to go with this? And go- going back to the main actor, just when I read after the fact that like he was a stand-up comedian, I'm like, oh yeah, I could tell. Like the, the guy's energy throughout the film... The focus, it was on point. Oh, Really, yeah. really great. Yeah, he, uh, and I didn't realize until way into the movie that he was playing multiple characters in this. He's the villain. He was the villain? He's the villain. He's oh. the long-haired bad guy. That's him. Shit, I did not know that. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, I think he was like three or four characters. I knew that he it? was like the the flashback porn producer guy. But yeah, yeah, I yeah. I didn't know that he was playing anyone else. Yeah, he was the bad guy. Uh-oh. That's why you don't have a lot of scenes of them together because that would be money. <laughs> that's a fair point. That's a fair point. And uh, yeah, that's him, but with the long hair and without the mustache, he has a little goatee thing instead. I loved him. I thought our main character was awesome. I <laughs> he always has a quip. Always has snarky line or a piece of attitude or business. I mean, Yo, you don't want me to go full ninja on you now. <laughs> I remember when he, um, shortly before they escaped their prison cell and, like, the guard told them to, like, be quiet and he, like, just said something back. Like, oh, you fuck, I'll go away or something. Mm. Oh, there's so much swearing in this. <laughs> I, I love, I like that a that lot. That line in particular reminded me of Paulie from Fat mm. Pizza, though. I was like, oh, that's something Paulie would say. <laughs> Paulie, the Paulie energy from Fat Pizza was in maximum overdrive when the shower scene <laughs> happened. That's such a poly scene. <laughs> if Polly was there, uh, I don't, I, no. In fact, he was a little too quiet. Polly would have had some more things to say about the shower happening there. But uh, well, one other thing that really, really reminded me of a specific gag from Fat Pizza was um, going back to, oh, sir, why do you hate humans so much? Wink. Mm. The flashback explaining why he hated humans. <laughs> that was that was when I first wrote in my notes. Oh, this is this is an episode of Fat Pizza. <laughs> Because the flashback is in black and white, old school camera. Old timey. Even like his fashion was like kind of old timey. The spaceship. Was 1700s. The spaceship yeah. was old timey spaceship. It's shit. It's a yeah, shitty basic ship. Basic looking robot buddy. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like the old school silent movie robot type of uh, yeah, thing. And the then, Tin Man. <laughs> and, then, and then, of course, the human that they meet. What was the reaction that he had to <laughs> meeting aliens? He got really mad, threw something at the villain, knocked over the robot and sodomized him <laughs> he fucked the robot yeah. while yelling at the other guy to fuck off basically <laughs> and then the guy had to go back into his spaceship tearfully looking at his robot being fucked and leave him behind and that is what fueled his hatred of humans to the point that he very frequently enslaves them the gag visually that i liked a lot that came from that segment was his shocked face at what happened, and then that's his portrait that's in the villain's, like, lair. There's, like, a giant painting or, like, image of his grandfather hanging on the wall, and it's an image of him doing that face from that segment, and I laughed at that a lot. Every time we get going back there, I'm like, hey, there's your grandfather, and he's like, ooh. It reminded me of when, when Paulie's relative, uh, like, ancestor met hitler oh yeah, yeah black and white they had a fight <laughs> yeah 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 yeah. that's that's correct and uh yeah i i i enjoyed that a lot i um yeah i'm trying to think oh i like that the lightsabers were just torches <laughs> <laughs> that was a good that was a good gag yeah. there and even when they were explaining the plot i was like oh it's a fifth element huh and then they explained that's just the fifth element and then i'm thinking oh i'm glad bartok has seen the fifth element before having to watch this movie. Now you understand the plot. <laughs> when they were explaining it, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm trying to remember things from it. But then once they got to the scene of like, you know, having to activate the four stones, I'm like, oh, of course. Yeah, and the enemy was a big fireball. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, like in the fifth element. There should have been a Gary Oldman scene, though, like where he phones up. I remember, I love in the fifth element when Gary Oldman, the villain, is on the phone to the big black, like big fireball. How did they phone each other? I think about that a lot. And then after he phones him, like, black ooze starts forming from the top of his head. And you go, where is that coming from? We always talked, we talked about that in the fifth element. Like, where did the ooze come from on his head? Because it came from <laughs> above the plastic visor, not under it. So that was weird. But, uh... uh Sorry, you're reminding me of another character in the film. Oh, you want to talk about your favorite character in the film? 
I, I, I look down. the main character. I think is my favorite. But if we're... you have to have a second favorite, <laughs> we have to have a second. I mean, I like Bob Marley Farouk though. Did you? You didn't love the little guy that they kept screaming at and asking, "Who are you? Who are you?" They're a child. <laughs> we find out he has a full yeah, facial hair. Oh, yeah, that's how, that's how kids work. Is like... yeah, there, there's a there's a running joke in the film um, where the villain and his right hand man. Uh, get alerted that something is coming for them or or something by this very short person wearing red and a visor over their eyes. Um, and every time after he finishes reporting, they just cannot get over the fact that they have no idea who he is. <laughs> they just keep sh- like asking, like, who are you? And like hitting him and shooing him away. The right-hand man always responds with, get out of here. He doesn't ask who he is. The villain asks, and yeah. he's like, get out of here. And he starts throwing shit at him. And then there comes a point where they actually like answer that question. They're like, no, no, let's grab him and ask him who he is and what's his deal. Now let's have sex. Yeah, they have a threesome. <laughs> <sighs> okay. Some characters in the film were gay, I think. <laughs> so, for, for everyone listening Did to... the writer of this <laughs> film walk in? Because you saying it in that manner is the homophobic type of humour that they have in this, where a lot of it is like, oh, that's pretty gay. Yeah, I think that's pretty gay. The, uh, look, look, here's... And even on the IMDb where this has a high rating, a lot of the ratings even mention like, this is a great side. This is a great sci-fi comedy, but one of the things that really brings it down is just like the really flame gay jokes and homophobic jokes. And I was like thinking about that when I finished it, because I was just like, if I had to tell anyone, what's the main type of humor of this film? It is, Hey, have you ever noticed things in sci-fi are pretty gay? That's what I would describe as the main humor of the film. And I think that's disappointing because it's also the lamest type of humor that the film has going for it. They're not even the greatest gay jokes. Like, like I wish they went more with it. If anything, like, like mm. make better gay jokes. I think they could have done so much, so much better with it. But they just they're very observational. Like, oh, that's kind of gay. Look, they're watching a male guy dance. Eh, pretty gay, right? Well, someone walked in, change it to a woman. Change it to a woman, then change it back to a man. And oh, look, they're implied to have had gay sex. That's pretty gay. And, you know, like, it just, that was kind of where the gay jokes were. I Like, I would have loved, I know this is regressive, but I would have loved to have, like, a, a screaming, flagrant gay guy character because the closest we get is the right-hand man guy, and the most we get out of him is just like, eh, he's kind of gay. But we also have, like, the C-3PO guy. Yeah, but he's not much because he's just like a robot. He's just C-3PO. Like, what I'm wanting is in the old-school British films called the Carry On series they had they had uh, uh, I'm forgetting his name Kenneth Williams and he was gay and, and he always played these extravagantly over the top oh hello there and he's such a fun char- he's like such a fun actor and fun presence to watch and a lot of his jokes are like he's gay and I'm just like oh, look I just need more of that. If we're going to do the whole it's gay sci-fi affair, the the gay robot or like the the flamboyant robot, he wasn't enough for me. Also, I think he's supposed to be the mascot of this series because every time I look at posters or images, it is always of that robot character. And yet, I would describe him as one of the lesser elements of the film. Like, I, I, I kind of keep forgetting that he's in it. He mm. didn't really do much for my taste of jokes or even character he was just there I know, well before he before he went to prison he was kind of like the the gay friend of the female lead that mm-hmm. that's the kind of character he was doing it's like um yeah they, they're crying at the turkish films together he's mm. doing her fortune like the way he's like sitting and holding himself is you know mm. very e- effeminate um and then that's the kind of like gay vibe he's giving off like throughout when i was watching the film because there were, you know, this recurring, uh, to, to sound really brain dead here, gayness, recurring gayness in the film, mm. I was trying to, I understand, like, oh, is, so is, is this like just a sort of thing that this alien race gravitates towards, or is this really just specific characters? Because I'm, yeah, I'm looking at the king, I'm like, oh, he he looks kind of you know, well-dressed. Is that like, you know, like, oh, gay people dress well? But he's not really a gay character because he's got a wife. But then they threaten him. 
with gayness. Then they threaten him with gayness, and it's like, oh, okay. What a statement that is, is by the way. So is everyone gay? Do they, like, only get with women for recreational purposes? Procreational. Procreation, that's what yeah. I'm Recreational. <laughs> <laughs> they get with men for recreational purposes. Well, yeah, they play tennis with them. <laughs> they play tennis with uh, <laughs> In the bomb. And, um, and also you have a lot of the, like, really tall women characters who, like, tend to be, like, these kind of strong guard characters, like, especially next to the main character, like, they're leading him back to his cell kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, and that's a place in sci-fi where you have very, uh, you know, fluid sexuality or gender uh, type of societies or aliens, and that's fine, and... If they leaned into that being a thing more, I know it sounds strange of me, and this has a wealth of problems to it itself, but I needed them to be more overt with it, more blatant, more strong with it, because as it is, it's just very boring when every time it's just like, here's a scene where the film is saying the joke is they're gay in a very like, "Eh, they're gay. To bring it back to something like pizza, pizza has so many jokes about gay people and gay characters. Like, one of my favorites, you always forget this. Whenever I bring him up, you always go, which one was that? Chef Bernard. I love Chef Bernard in that series. He's like, in one episode, then he plays another character who's like the evil food critic mm-hmm. who who judges them and like is laughing hysterically. But when he's Chef Bernard and he's like an asshole chef and he's like this gay, flagrant, over-the-top, sexually deviant chef that they have to murder. Um, I love that. And it, because he's so over-the-top that it goes beyond the point of, like, whatever, at least for my sensibilities, this is, again, this brings a wealth of problems, too. It goes beyond bigotry to just coming around to cartoonishness. Yeah, that's that's kind of what we want. And that's what Gora and, and, and Pizza have in common, which is they're taking these 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 trappings of societal norms or, or societal issues and caricatures and ideas of culture and ideas of people and values and turning them up to 11 to heighten how silly it is. It's silly when our main chosen one character is this Turkish stereotype of a carpet salesman who can't be bothered but to do the heroic uh, you know, uh, storyline because he's annoyed at the fact that he was promised that his phone would get reception anywhere and then it's kind of getting shit reception here. That is funny because it's so over the top. Yeah, his but- values are in the wrong place. The most over-the-top stuff we get with the gay guy, gay stuff is just, like, the guards wear pink, and we see their butts, uh, like, in the pink pants. Hmm. I need more. Like, if you're going to go there, fucking give them a rainbow army where they're marching with flags of the rainbow colors, and I'm trying to come up with better gay joke materials for them that are also (laughs) absurdly problematic, but I need them to do that because, again... If I had to tell you what Gora's humor is, I would have to sigh and go, it is, sci-fi's kind of gay. And that's it. Mm. Like, <laughs> there's much gayer sci-fi you can go with. The fact that Flash Gordon is a movie that already existed in pop culture at this time and they don't draw anything upon that as an example is ludicrous. The villain himself I found to be the weakest aspect of the movie. I'm curious to hear your thoughts on that. What did you think of a, a bad guy? Uh, I I thought he was all right, but again, going back to the whole you know gay stuff, um, <clears throat> trying to grasp what his situation was with regards to that was something that I kept you know thinking in my head because you know he wanted to marry the girl so that he could become king, um, and obviously it wasn't a thing of like you know true love. But then I would look at all the gay stuff and it's like, oh okay, so this is like. You know, he's, he's still going to, you know, he, he is gay, mm. um, but he doesn't feel like he is. It's just, like, the things that he is surrounded by kind of allude that he is gay. Yeah. He's, he's doing this just for the power. Mm. But I feel like that could have been an aspect that, you know, would have been a bit more uh, better served, acknowledged when it comes to his interactions with the, the love interest, because... If just taking those scenes on their own, it just feels like I'm marrying you, mm-hmm. but it, it it doesn't have this you know absurd dissonance going on. Yeah. Um. But yeah, the, the, he he's got some over the top things outside of that, like when he goes down to the um or goes up to rather the 
the marketplace and just shoots people while mm-hmm. he's walking by. Um, obviously, he's. I find out now he's being played by the main guy, so there's that energy there. Mm. Um, I wouldn't say that I found him necessarily to be like a, the weakest part of the film, but yeah, there, there is more that could have been done with him. Yeah, he just didn't gel with me. And then I found out he was the same actor, and then that really made it hurt more because his performance is okay as this, but I, I, I don't think he knew what this char- how to play this character. He knew the main guy. Because you read the stories, he's basing it on so many people in his life, and there's characters named after family members and or his own name. And there are some characters in this where the creative voice behind this project really knows these people, but he doesn't know the sci-fi villain. Hmm. He doesn't know what that is. He just goes, "Ah, they're a bad guy who's kind of gay, and they want power." And yet again, you know, going back to. <laughs> Again, I don't, I don't, we're not arbiters of this. And again, the thing that I'm wanting is also things that have been heavily ridiculed. But a part of it is like, well, I'm conditioned to these things because they have been there for so long. They kind of work, which is the queer coded villain character. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, yeah, you need to have that offset there when our main guy is so hetero. And he's a Turkish guy. And I was always waiting for moments where our main character guy would have some quote-unquote funny thing to say about all the gay sci-fi stuff around him Mm -hmm. as a normal Turkish man who's selling rugs. And I honestly didn't feel like we got that. Now that you mention it, yeah, that feels... A part of it is... Maybe we're looking down on Turkish culture by saying that, but... It feels like that. No, but he's even outside of Turkish culture. That character, I I was waiting for him to have some remark about being in this very flagrant, over-the-top sci-fi society, while all he needs is his grimy streets that he lives on. And he doesn't really comment upon that as much as you would like. He has mentions of it when he's with the Obi-Wan Kenobi character, but when he's facing off against the villain... It's just something about in these things, especially sci-fi with characters like Ming the Merciless, say, um, those queer-coded over-the-top sci-fi villains where they're somewhat turned on by the hero. Mm-hmm. They are, they're problematic, but they're fun. Like they're, and You can tell that that's what they want to do, but they don't want to commit to it. Like I would have liked it, <laughs> again, problems, I would have liked it if the villain was attracted to the hero and played around with that. Yeah. That would have been fun. Uh, like, funny. It could have been funny. But as they go along, it's just like, to me, the villain guy, he was just a guy that kept taking up scenes and his motivations never really escalated. They never really amplified. There was the moment where he blackmailed the the existing king with those photos and that was kind of it. And then they also have my least favourite type of ending to, like, a downfall for that kind of character, which is... Ah, see, earlier we recorded him doing a thing where he conveniently said all the things that we need to unveil him as the villain. And now we can play it on the TV screen for you. And there's him in bed with the two guys and he's saying like, everyone's stupid and I'm the best. Ha ha ha, I'm evil man. And I hate that. I hate that. I think it's lazy. I think it's very bad. If we, because this is a, that that character is an exaggerated caricature kind Mm. of character. Um, in in all this discussion about him, there is one movie villain that I keep coming back to that it would have been so great if that character, this character could have been a bit more like that. Um, again, from another silly European film, Hogofogo. Oh, if this was Lemonade Joe and he was Hogofogo, he could have also been like similar to Hogofogo or even his character, the same actor from Dinner for Adele. Yeah. The mad scientist. Well, we didn't even see that character that much, but every time you saw him, you knew exactly what he was evoking. Yeah, like, when we had, I mentioned before, like, going through the marketplace, shooting people in, like, you know, a split second kind of thing, you know, this kind of, kind of, kind of deranged mind, uh, impulsive snap of the wrist, like, Hogofogo was a character that, even though that film, Lemonade Joe, you know, was paced, and, and things happened a bit slowly with that character... They were so over the top and unexpected because it was such a trickster character that it made it a bit more fun and more bizarre. Mm, it's like, mm. ooh, could we have a bit more bizarreness with this character who already kind of looks like a sort of, you know, deranged kind well, of character? Well, you, I, and you see, 
I, you know how you said at the beginning of this, you were prepping in your brain how you're going to bring up fat pizza. Yeah. I was prepping in my brain how I was going to bring up Lemonade Joe. Oh, there you go. Because Lemonade Joe, for those who don't know, is a Western made by the former Czechoslovakia, now the Czech Republic, during their occupation from the USSR. And it's a Western that is riffing on the values of both the USSR and the West. And the thing that's really funny about it is it's a really, really, really well-made Western of an of a previous era, of an old-school silent era Western. But it has dialogue, but like the type of filmmaking it's evoking. Yeah. And the characters it's riffing on. It has a very adept knowledge of the genre it's playing in. I don't get that from Gora. I think it is as simple as the guy, the comedian, was like, wouldn't it be funny if you had a Turkish guy in these stupid sci-fi stories? But I don't really get from this film, from the not even from the making of it visually, because this is a very expensive film for the Turks. Oh, yeah. But just story-wise, I don't get that feeling of anyone really know has that much of a deep connection to science fiction films outside of being able to say hey it's a star trek thing or hey it's a star this wars, this yeah. star wars or help me obi-wan can I matrix mm. it doesn't have that for me this also evoked kung pao in many moments uh as well for my liking and again in kung pao that guy knows a lot about kung fu movies, those old school movies you'd see late at night and you and the dubbing's all off, so you just mute it and you dub it yourself. He knows those movies, so he can play around with that. What do you think? Do you think similar to me about this? You're the guy with less of a sci-fi sensibility, so this may be me coming in as this kind of judge of like, Ooh, do they know sci-fi well enough? And I don't think they did. How did you? How do you feel about it? Am I coming at it too rough? Um, I mean, in the sense that I've known you for so long that all of the stuff you're saying, you know, makes sense to me because I've heard you mm. talk about sci-fi many times. Um, and I haven't obviously done as much. Like I remember one time, I think it was one of the first times we ever brought up Futurama. Like I'd seen some episodes of the show. I'm like, oh, yeah, it's like a comedy a show set in the future and you were talking like very passionately about like yes there are some episodes where the comedy is really good but then there are some episodes with really good sci-fi elements so mm. you know over the Which is true. yeah so over the 8 years since we've been friends uh you know I've been trying to think a bit more harder about sci-fi things that I watch I'm like oh what would be something that Ryan would really latch onto here so in that sense like I am hearing some bits of that type of Ryan coming in with what you're saying but also you know, being me, uh, this just felt like, oh, yeah, there's, like, a bunch of, like, spacey, futuristic-looking things here. It feels like sci-fi to me. Yeah, yeah, it feels like the... And that's what it needs to be. It needs yeah. to evoke it, feel it, and play with it. Uh, is there any other standout moments or characters that you want to delve into? Because we've touched upon some elements that do work, some that don't, but are there anything... Is there anything else floating around for you? Um, I mean, there are definitely characters we haven't talked to about that much, but really there isn't that much to say. Like, we have, like, the Obi-Wan character and Bob Marley Farouk, but <laughs> we've kind of said all that there really is with them. Like, the Obi-Wan character is, like, just playing that type of character, but with all these, like, little eccentricities. Is that weird pervert? Yeah, and the... <laughs> Now I'm just remembering the the magazines and the film, mm. like when they open, they're stuck together. Yeah, they, um, they're worse with each person they meet who's been there longer. <laughs> yeah, that was yeah. good. That was a good gag. Yeah. I like that a lot. Yeah. And uh, again, I I quite like the the Bob Marley Farouk character, but it was just like the, what this character is is just kind of weird in the film. Like, oh, he's uh-huh. a he's a guy that calls himself Bob Marley because he ran a reggae bar yeah. and he has the Rastafarian hat but nothing else about him is really reggae and he's like straight manning the whole film and mm-hmm. that's funny but like yeah not not much else to he say blossoms over it he's a character I didn't like at first but by the end I was endeared to him mm. and I was happy that he had grown and I think maybe he has the unsung hero the unsung role of the film where he has to develop because no other character is <laughs> our main guy doesn't really develop he finds a girl 
Um, he does some heroic acts. He knows how to fight now, and he dresses in a new outfit. But he doesn't really change all that much. He's still like a greedy piece of shit um, who's really looking out for himself and minorly now others. While we need someone like the Bomali Farouk character, where he starts out as somebody who's happy with where they are. He's happy being the prisoner. He's happy. He's got a content job in the kitchen. By the end, he's now helping overthrow. And that was good. You need that push from somebody. Because, again, the the robot guy, he was very... I don't know. I just didn't think there was a lot there. He was like, he was in this position, now he's not. He fe- The robot character, was it 216? Yeah. 226? I don't know. But um, he was basically just a tool... For to exist so that the main character could be, you know, like, oh, he's inclusive of the robot character mm. kind of thing. That's that's what he felt like to me. Yeah, and also, am I crazy? Maybe I missed something here. Mm. They threatened throughout the whole run of the movie about these people with the chips in their head. Like, these were people and they've crossed the line. Now they've got these chips in their heads and now they're like vegetables, basically. Oh, yeah, the guy at the rose. Yeah, yeah, and they had a bunch of them throughout the film and they kept warning it and it kept it made me think of One Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest where that film also did that. Oh, like, like, this, look, this is look an, at this an analogy for first. a lobotomy, yeah. Yeah, and it's like, yes, yes, and in One Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest they show you like this is a person who's been electroshocked, this one's been uh, lobotomized, foreshadowing that this could happen to our main character and they did that here with the chip. And why? Why was that an element? Yeah, they kept the main, building that. And the main character never... got the chip in the back of the head. Yeah. I was waiting for a moment at least where the villain would does act, that. Yeah, and like, then our hero is in the down moment where they're defeated. But then it's up to our yes. other heroes to finally take action and help him. Or maybe his virtues from the training makes the chip break off of his neck. And then he fights harder. But no, it's just an element that I was waiting I have for. This, I have this button here when I press it. The chip that you've forgotten about will activate. I would have loved if the villain did what you just said. Yeah, that you gave it more him more personality <laughs> than he had in the entire run. If he if he pushed if he grabbed out a button and said, "I'm going to now activate the button that you forgot," and then he looked at the camera <laughs> and you too, and then he pressed it, boom, that would have been awesome. But I was great. I I felt like that was something that they were promising would pay off, and then it didn't mm. am i wrong in reading it that way did no, you feel I, similar i didn't think about it until now but as i was just saying they're like oh yeah they had the thing with the chip in the back of the head they could have done mm. something with that and they showed people who mm. were bad and they mm. got punished and mm. it was like this yeah. cruel thing the only thing that you said there that i would criticize is when you said he had no personality man he was really upset when his robot got sodomized <laughs> well that was his grandfather <laughs> that was his grandfather oh was that not him no, that was oh. He's in the flashback. I thought that was him. No, he was getting vengeance for what they did to his grandfather. Ah, oh. and they're like, "You still aren't letting go of that." No, don't I- you know what happened to my grandfather? <laughs> and then it cuts back to his grandfather, who I have- looks slightly different, <laughs> and he's in an old-timey spaceship. I have no issues with what you said now. Thank you. Take it back. You get my 82% approval. I was going to make an 82% joke, <laughs> and then you took it from me. There's I know you so well. There's 82% chance that you could have done it, and you did it. Uh, that is... Okay, final thing, if we have nothing else we want to discuss. Final thing. Mm-hmm. This is the first in a trilogy. Yeah, that was interesting to learn. I did mention that last week. Hence, I compared it to... Oh, the week before. Yeah, two weeks ago. <laughs> uh, hence, I compared it to Doom. And I was correct, by the way. How I compared it to Doom was you had the first two movies came out relatively close to one another, and then the third oh, movie came out yeah, you did later. Say that. Yeah. And Doom, t- Doom 3 did come out, like, 2012, 2013-ish, I want to say. Yeah, it wasn't just one or two years. It was no, like, it was quite a few years later. It was like half a decade-ish. Later. And same with these. Now, are you interested to see the next film in this trilogy. I think I would be. Okay, that's interesting. Because I I don't know what they would do. Because I was quite content with where we left him. Oh, if we're asking if I'm content, yeah, I'm content. But I'm also kind of curious. Yeah, I'm kind of curious. They they get lower rated as they go. This oh, is an okay. 8 <laughs> on IMDb. The next one's like a 7.6 or something. And then the final one, I think, is like a 6 point something or other. I don't know. I'd have to double check. 7.6 is pretty good. No, no, no. And hey, ratings on IMDb don't matter. I mean, 
Dooms movies aren't the highest rated things, and yet they're very popular films. Love on a Leash. Love on a Leash <laughs> is a great film, and IMDb is correct for rating it that way. Are we doing Love on a Leash next week? Find out in a moment. But uh, would you recommend Gora? I would. I know that we had more negative things to say than I was expecting in the episode, mm. but there was... It is a film that I will be thinking about for a while. It had yeah. an energy that I wasn't expecting, a sense of humour that really appeals to me, and the lead character, the lead actor of the main character, is really fun to watch. I know mm-hmm. it is two hours, but if you have an experience like mine, it probably will go by a bit quick. Yeah, it's. A, I, I also tentatively recommend it. I think there are problems with it. It definitely comes across as a good first attempt at something like... If the other films were better, then I would be like, oh, this was where they had the launch pad to go off of. Because there is a lot of things where you go, I like this, and you could make this even better. And uh, there's just a unique personality to it that we aren't accustomed to. And I imagine not many people are outside of the country it's made in. And even then, I don't think there's a lot of it that was lost to me from the cultural differences. I read a lot of IMDb reviews that were mentioning that there would be for people. But then there are other people who said, I didn't really feel lost in it culturally difference-wise. So I didn't either. So I think it's fine. But uh, mm, yeah. give it a watch. It's, it's, it's unique. It's different. It's a little rough around the edge it's a little sloppy for me too long uh but no truly offensive bad jokes in it either like we talk about all this gay stuff and the homophobia blah blah blah, but none of it's like really offensive it's just kind of lame like that's it's just like okay lame uh very of its time yeah the film never really says like oh these guys are gay that means they're bad it's just Mm. like the bad people happen to be very Gay, Gay, which in itself is saying something. But uh, we have a recommendation for next episode from the listening people. We are up to that portion. And I was going through our list. Mm -hmm. There's some new additions there. We would love if people kept giving giving us new additions as well. If people want to recommend films, uh, hit us up on our social medias or our email, which is all in the description below, uh, because uh, we do pick films that you guys recommend and we do them on the show and we had one recommended a little while ago that piqued both your interest and mine because there was a whole slew of uh conversation building to this so i think it's time we look at a war film Mm -hmm. called the beast and or the beast of war yeah okay the original title is the beast but then i think at least in australia it's called the beast of war at least that's what comes up when i look at it on imdb uh so we'll be covering that i can't i cannot remember what year it's from off the top of my head 1981 yeah the the big deal that was made about it was like it's from the 80s yes yeah and yeah, do you want to go over some background, or do we want to leave that for next week? We were told a bit about like what we think of this when it will land in the spectrum of war films. Yeah, along those lines. I, it, it's not fresh in my head. I will ju- there, all I'll say is that um, this was one that we received in an email and a Facebook message, mm. a very long one that uh, the person recommending it. Very uh, passionate. Had, very passionate. Had a lot of things to say about it and wants us to answer a question at the end. Mm. Um, so definitely by next episode, we'll refresh ourselves on yeah. the mission that we've been given about this film. I will go over that after having watched the film. I want to go into this as fresh as possible and look at it as it as it is mm-hmm. on its own. And then afterwards, I'll, I'll look over what we were told and thoughts about it and then and then reflect on it because yeah. going into it with all of this it was Might a good, it, it, yeah. <laughs> that's why I left it for a while because there was all of this great momentum from that email that piqued my interest piqued yours but I also wanted to give enough time where the details of that email and the conversation didn't influence me too much walking in because there's always that thing isn't it yeah. when when you get recommended a movie and you go guys it's a it's blah 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 and you're like no let me just watch it but at the same time you also got to get people excited about movies you recommend so I get it it's a fine balance uh, as I said you can follow us on the social medias of Facebook and Twitter Spit and Polish Presents you can email us at spitandpolished at gmail.com Com if you want to talk to us more directly. Bartek's giggling yes. for some reason. Yes, I know. Just something funny 
thought came to my head. Okay. What if the film's from 1982? Oh, that <laughs> would You'd really love it if it was from 1982. Yeah, yeah 82% <laughs> chance I'd love it. Yeah, uh, Ryan so, is 82. <laughs> yeah, Ryan's 82, or flip it around 28, no longer. I'm now 29. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, we can be found on all of your podcast hosting sites of choice. We are also on YouTube, where we post our episodes as videos on there, so you can leave us a message or a comment as well, and subscribe subscribe and do all of that rate and review us on whatever podcasting site you use to do so and that is all i have got for you zaki my friend my fellow australian friend who recommended this movie on australian netflix thank you so much for pitching this one to me a while ago i've been meaning to get around to it and i thought hey it's uh that time of the year where I have some free time for podcast recommends because in October we'll be doing our spooky month. So I thought, let's get some of the things that aren't spooky choices out of the way before we enter the spooky time. Because I've got to be oh, honest, really? some of the movies that I have just floating around that I want to recommend, I'm like, ah, that feels a little too spooky. And I don't want to like do too much spooks before we get to spooky month itself. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah. that is okay. that is Vartek's getting all serious. He's looking at me. <laughs> he's gritting his teeth. Uh, maybe you remember that for next week. Oh. Bye, everyone. Bye.